Merry Christmas from all of us at Harvest Bible Church to you. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Pamela Butler. You can learn more about Harvest Bible Church or watch the full service at harvestbibleonline.org. On behalf of my husband, you know, Pastor Mark uh, and the family, we just want to thank you. You know, his mother passed away and... um, so he did try to get back there before she passed, but she decided to take off. Maybe they met midstream. He was in the air when she took off. So, <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, he is there with the family, and I'll be flying out uh, after service to go be with him. And but we appreciate your prayers and um, just keeping him uplifted and all the family. It's, you know, it's it's great because in the sense when you are a Christian, when you know that your loved one was a Christian, you know, there's that blessed hope. Amen. So there's that knowing that you get to see them again in a healthy, you know, full functioned, you know, glorified body. You know, we get to hug again. So <laughs> it's death does not win. And so thank you so much. Um, it's uh, and my mom. Those of you who are praying for my mother, uh, she came through. It seems like our moms always happen, you know, <laughs> the same time. But my mom, she's doing good. She came through her heart procedure. So thank you for praying for us and upholding us. And um, God is so faithful. Amen. Well, Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your word. Your word, which is truth. Your word, which is powerful. Your word, which is life giving. And Father, I just give you this time, this moment, Lord, that you would just unveil to us your heart for each one that is listening this morning, God, each one that is tuned in online or is sitting in this room. God, I believe that there is a divine word for them. And Lord, I just ask that you would help me to articulate, Lord, your heart and give us ears to hear and give us a heart to receive, God, that we might know what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this hour, We love you and we honor you in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, Go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And sorry about starry, starry night, you know... um, I'm the I'm the collector. He's the builder, you know. And uh, he had to leave early, so he didn't get to build anything. So I know Miss Vicky was saying we need to duplicate ourselves, and she's right. Y'all should have been able to do it without us. So we, we're we're slacking on our job, you know, Mark and I. And so, um, but uh, and I almost landed a donkey too. Hey, Mary and Joseph, you're here. I hope you didn't show up yesterday. I didn't have your phone number. Sorry. Mary and Joseph is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> they look like Mary and Joseph, right? Maybe y'all should stand up here during my message. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we uh, we will do it again. Amen. That's that's one of my most favorite events, is Starry Night. So um, maybe we'll do it. You know, in January, the birth this, the birth of Christ is is uh, something we always should celebrate. Amen. Well, I'm going to be speaking on a message called O Night Divine. And it's the title of my message, O Night Divine. And um, the word divine means, uh, one of the definitions is it means it's from God. So, you know, we just sang that song, O Holy Night, the stars, say it with me, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. Maybe we should sing it. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Now listen to the words. 
Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love this part. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, oh, no. That's the name of my message, O Night Divine. Uh, these words, you know, this song was written, um, you know, way back. I want to say in the 1800s, but I'm not positive. I know Joy to the World was, but um, sometimes there was a lot of um, depth in the early songs, you know, in the hymns that we have. And, and sometimes our newer music lacks depth. I mean, it can be very shallow. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Hallelujah. You know? <laughs> Actually, I think that was the Partridge family or something that sang that one. But um, that's appropriate. Partridge in a pear tree. Here we go. Okay. Um, but... You know, there was such depth, in, and I love these words because it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared, and this part, and the soul felt its worth. Before Jesus came, the soul felt no worth. Because a curse was released upon the earth, the soul was held in shame. The soul of man was held in pain and sorrow. It was held in fear and torment. The soul was held in bondage. It was held captive. It was without meaning. It was without purpose. There was, it was violent. Hearts were violent. It was without control. Death and decay, decay were ruling and reigning. And one of the biggest words that we can see, if, if you cross-reference, is the word darkness is that the soul remained in darkness. And that word darkness uh, refers to the curse. It refers to spiritual death because to have spiritual death, it means that you have gone into darkness. And so every one of you in this room was born into spiritual darkness. And because of Jesus, and this is what I want to talk about, that oh night divine, oh night. And, and, and if you could have a different perspective of what God's intention was when he sent Jesus, his intention was that the soul might fill its worth. Why? Because he created man in his image. And if we were created in the very image of God, we have great value. We have great worth. But the enemy, the liar uh, of all, Satan himself, wants nothing but to tell you that you are riddled and you are shameful, you are guilty, you are worthless. You know, a lot of suicides happen around Christmas time. What a deception of the enemy. Because Jesus came that he might give you worth, that he might show you that you have value. You know, yesterday, um, you could probably tell by my eyes, I was crying. (laughs) 
No, I wasn't crying. I was sobbing. I've been sobbing a lot this week. You know, first we lost mom and then, you know, and I'm going to start crying. I can't cry over this dumb dog for Pete's sakes. Well, my dog, she had puppies yesterday. And, and so the day before, you know, she went into labor and she's my baby. You got to know she's my baby. And so I stayed with my baby like a good mama should. And I was with her 24 hours and she had a really hard time and she only had two pups in there. But when the first puppy came out, you know, um, it was just the most traumatizing thing. And I, all I can say is his little stomach wasn't closed and, um, and his little arm, his right little arm wasn't formed and it just, but he was alive. And uh, yeah, make you all cry with me. See, you all can cry with me. I was sobbing. My poor husband's on the phone trying to console me. And because this, here's this little thing gasping for its little life and, and it, there's no way it's going to live. And, you know, and, um, and as I was holding that, it really, it really preferenced for what I wanted to share this morning because death is not natural. Death is a thief. And so, you know, when we, when we see the things that happen across this earth, when we see the tornadoes and the, the cataclysmic things that are happening across this world, this world is under a curse. And it's not natural because that is not how God designed this world to be. When God created it, we see in Genesis 1 and 2, everything was perfect. It was good. It wasn't until sin came upon this earth that we see a curse came upon the land. And I don't have time to to go into that. But if you look in Genesis chapter 3, you begin to see that that the earth becomes cursed and it brings forth thorns and thistles, right? And man is now having to to work hard. But, But death, watch holding that little puppy just... Oh, it just ripped up my heart. It was like, oh, maybe I just, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. It had been over 24 hours. I was, I was tired. She was tired. We were tired. And, um, but it's not natural. And when, and and many of you in this room have lost loved ones this year, Uh, a lot of good pastors, uh, Pastor Mark's friends of ours have passed this year and, you know, and it, and it hurts the heart. It, it, It brings confusion. But if I can, if I can remind you that it's not the will of God, God didn't bring forth death. Sin brought forth death. And that is why we focus again upon that manger. That is why we look upon that, oh, holy night, the night divine when God sent forth his son, Jesus. Why? Because it says in John three sixteen, say with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, as long as you are and I are in this world, you know, I'm still having to use a lot of, you know, moisturizers. Stay ahead of those wrinkles. <laughs> it's getting slathered on a little heavier these days. <laughs> because why? There's a curse upon this earth. These bodies are dying. These bodies have not been redeemed yet. And uh, look, so in Romans chapter 8, you're right there with me. Look at, look at what it says in verse, um, let me flip the page, verse uh, 19. Well, let me start with 18. It says, yet, yet what we suffer now, have you suffered? Has anybody else suffered in this room besides me? For we reckon or the, or yet what we suffer is now nothing, nothing, say nothing, nothing. 
compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Isn't that exciting? I mean, the suffering that we've gone through can't even compare to the glory that God is going to give us in the future. There are, there's a wonderful future ahead of you and I. If you fix your eyes only upon this world, you're only going to fix your eyes upon a world that is cursed. The world, the Bible says, is passing away. The world is fading away. And when we look in the Bible, we see the things that are going get, to get ready to come to pass upon the face of this earth. Utter destruction, darkness, men's hearts filling them for fear. We see a meteorite that's coming in the book of Revelation. We see things that are going to transpire fire, waters that's going to be poisoned. This world is coming to an end, but this world is not our home. Hallelujah. Oh, we, we, we thank God for that. Oh, holy night when God sent his son, Jesus, because Jesus stepped in and he said, and he, he became the curse for you and me. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead. Let me go on and keep on reading. I got that one verse just, just gets me excited because there's good days. There's good days coming. Amen. We just, we can't focus on this world. Verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God who will, who will reveal his children really are and against its will. Now listen, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay, just like that little puppy. Just like that flower, that rose, when you pick it and it just, you know, pretty soon it starts wilting and it falls away. There's death and decay upon this earth. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. This world is full of sin and is full of suffering. We're longing for the day for our glorified body. We've been redeemed inside. We've got our, our spirit has been made new, but there's coming a day. Our bodies will be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We're in a cursed world. We're in a world where, where, where sin is still ruling and reigning, where Satan is still, he's still out to destroy. He's a thief that still kills and destroys. When bad things happen, it's not God. Jesus sent his son to redeem us, to deliver us. And you know, I, I, I've shared this many times, you know, when, when my father passed away, you know, I had the, the honor of doing his, uh, his funeral and, um, and there was just this boldness and this excitement that hit me. And I'm just hitting his top of his casket going, death does not win. Death does not win. And, and is how much I, that day I realized how much I love Jesus. 
how much I love Jesus. Why? Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Death no longer rules and reigns. And the bodies that we lay in the grave, that is not the end. I mean, if you die in Christ, the Bible says that we are going to be raised up together. Hallelujah. That blessed hope, that resurrection. Why? Because of that old holy night. That divine night when God sent his son Jesus to redeem us from this cursed world. Look in, in, um, in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. It says this, verse 14. This is, this is the future that's coming. How many have lost somebody just this year in death? Did death feel good? Was death painful? Did it rip your heart out? Yeah. Death has a future. Are you ready for this? Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. (laughs) Praise the Lord. There's no more death. And so then if you go in the next chapter 21, it says, look at this verse one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people for God himself will be with them. And look at this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for all these things are gone forever. Come on. I want to say that again. Come on. We need to shout on this. And all these things will be gone forever. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, our Redeemer. Now, I talk about, go ahead and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 8. I talk about how um, this world is in a curse, and it still is. And um, the Bible had prophesied about the coming of, of Jesus, this, this, this Messiah. And um, I want to I kind of describe to you just a little more about what that darkness feels like and looks like because every one of us have been touched by that and um and it it really describes that and I want to read this these portions here because it really describes what spiritual darkness is and as we read this I want you to begin to think about the world we're living in today that it's getting the Bible says it's going to get darker and how many can testify my Lord the world is getting darker and, um, and it's not talking about the natural light, but we're talking about a spiritual darkness. So in, in Isaiah chapter 8, let's look, begin reading, reading with verse 19. He says, someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. And with their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. 
And they will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. And they will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, they will there, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. And they will be thrown out into the darkness. Now, words. I love words. I'm a word girl. I'm a word girl, but I love words too. And there's a lot of description in this. Listen to what it says. There's, there's in this, what we just read, there's a, there's a sense that when I am spiritually dark, when you meaning that I am without Christ, that I am without God in my life and the world is out there walking in this darkness. It says, first of all, they have a sense of being lost. They're looking for guidance. They need direction. It says they're weary, they're hungry, they're full of rage. They experience trouble and anguish, deep despair and darkness. Now, um, the Bible has a lot to say, and I don't, I don't have time to go o- over all these, but I do want to pull some of these, and I'm just going to read them to you really quick. The Bible has a lot to talk about darkness. Romans 1.21 says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In Proverbs 4.19, it says that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness, and they do not know over what they stumble. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 5 says, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Colossians 1, 13 says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It says in John 2, uh, verse 8 through 11, that darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. For whoever says he's in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. And whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Romans 13.12 says, Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ephesians 6.12, you probably all could quote this one. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And lastly, Acts 26.18 says, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, the Bible is full of the reference of darkness, that those who are followers of God, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he has come in and become their Lord and Savior, that light has come in. 
And he becomes our guide. He becomes the one that feeds us, that, sh- that is the shepherd that goes before us. We're not walking in the dark, not knowing. Come on, we live in a time when we never, we, have you ever seen the world so fearful, so uncertain, not knowing if this is right or is that right? Is this the truth or is that the truth? You know, we, there, there's so much confusion. How we need to hear the voice of God, our shepherd in this hour. We need to know the way in which we should walk. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God is speaking. God is speaking. You have to train yourself to listen to the voice of God. And the number one way is he will speak to us through his word. Now, and go into chapter 9, same Isaiah chapter 9, but, and look at this promise. It says, nevertheless, oh, come on. Are you ready to shout? All right. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Come on. There's a shout moment. It says that the land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. John 1, 1, and that first chapter tells us that Jesus is that light. His life is the light. He, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. And in, 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 in this reference, we even find in Matthew chapter four, the fulfillment that Matthew actually references this Isaiah because Jesus was in Galilee. He was, this was specifically prophesied and it was completely fulfilled by Jesus. When Jesus came into Galilee, he, and, and this very description, the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, many will, um, the people will walk, the people who have walked in darkness will see a great light and his name was Jesus. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine and you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder for you will break the yoke of their slavery. Hallelujah. And you will lift the heavy burden from their shoulders You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian and the boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned and they will be fuel for the fire. Why? Because it tells us in this next verse, for a child is born to us. And a son is given and the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestors, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of of heaven's armies will make this happen. See why, I mean, Christmas is so much more. It's so much more than the presents. It's so much more than the Christmas tree. It's so much more than the turkey and the ham or whatever y'all make out there. It's so much more than, than uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. And all that, you know, all that's fun. 
But the true meaning of Christmas is that you and I were held in the bondage of sin. You and I, the world was held in a very dark place. We were held in despair. We were being oppressed. We were being imprisoned until that day for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He became the light of the world, setting us free. Amen? So... The enemy, I, I, I quoted that one song, Oh Holy Night, right? It said, until the soul felt its worth, until Jesus came, we talked about the curse, made how, how, how our soul became fearful, rejected, you know. But because of Jesus, our soul feels worth. And this morning, I, I bring that to you. I, 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 I want to bring that into your lap this morning. How are you feeling this morning? Because, you know, God sees great value in you. And some of you, you know, some of you, maybe you've gone through some stuff. I've gone through some stuff. And the enemy, the accuser of our brethren would love to just beat you down. When you feel broken, you'll feel, you can feel worthless, used, dirty, guilt, undeserving. But the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God is not looking for you to be perfect. God is looking for you to have faith and trust in him. Come on. God knew we needed a savior. That's why he sent Jesus. He didn't send Jesus for perfect people. <laughs> He sent Jesus for the broken. He sent Jesus for the despondent, for the despaired, for the ones that, that just keep falling, that keep messing up, that keep, keep blowing it. No, the Bible says the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. God sees such value in your life. You are so worthy because he makes you worthy. You know, turn with me in, um, in, in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. I want you to know how precious you are, how valuable you are. Matter of fact, how unique you are. That's why there's just no room for jealousy. There's no room for intimidation. I, I love, I love every leader in this church. I, and you can ask my women in leadership when we go to the women's retreat, my joy is seeing them, you know, prosper ministering in their gifts. That's makes me happy to see their crowns on their head, their ministries thriving, you know, and, um, and, and where, I don't know where I was going with that, but you know, wear your crown brightly ladies. And I'll, I'll go back and listen and go, Oh yeah, that's where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, amen. Mark chapter eight. We'll pick up there. All right. Mark chapter eight, verse 37. Um, actually, let me, let, let's start with uh, verse. Let's go up to 34. Okay. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Now listen. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Mm -mm. 
You know, and some of you in this room, you may have had thriving businesses. You may have had thriving, you know, careers. You know, maybe some of you listening, you've had thriving careers. You've, you've got a lot of money in the bank. You've got, you've accumulated some gold. You've accumulated some silver. You may have got a horse or two. Maybe you have a donkey you haven't told me about. But none of this is going to go with you when you die. Only one thing is going to go with you, and that's it's your soul. <laughs> and what you did with that soul. That's why Jesus said, what do you benefit if you've gained the whole world? And, you know, and, and, we, and we see, we see, you know, the world around us is, you know, and it's so easy to get caught up in the rat race thinking, I need this, and I need this. This will make me happy. No, this will make me happy. How many ladies have bought... You bought an exercise machine. I mean, you might have done this too. And you just knew that that exercise machine was going to make you happy because it was going to make you look like, you know, Miss America. But pretty soon it became a pantyhose dryer. You just hung your pantyhose on there to dry. I say that because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you think if you have that car, oh, this car is going to make me happy. And then after you drive it for a while and, you know, it just becomes a car. You have a career that, oh man, I just, you work and you, you invest a time and an education. And I just, if I get this career, this will make me happy. And in that career, you realize I still feel empty. Something is still missing in my life. Cause that goes back up to what Jesus is saying that, you know, true life comes from being a follower of Jesus Christ he is the light of life. He, life. He is the, he's the one that gives us purpose. Is anything, and I, and, I, and I put that out to you, is anything worth more than your soul? Is any relationship worth more than your soul? Is any career, is, is any purchase, anything more valuable than who you are? Because when you die, it's your soul that's going to, it's you that's going to stand before God and have to give an account of how you lived your life upon this earth. But thank God, you and I, we were without hope. We were without an advocate. We were without a redeemer. And, and, and you and I, no matter how good we lived, and even any, anybody in the Bible, no matter how hard they tried to do right, we all fall short of the glory of God. Not, no one is righteous. No, not one, the Bible says, until Jesus came, the perfect Lamb of God, the righteous one, that now when I put my faith in him, the Bible says that my sins are washed away, that I am redeemed. I've been justified. I've been accepted. I've been clothed in garments of righteousness. That means now I can come boldly before God without fear, without shame, without guilt, with just confidence because I know I'm accepted because of who Jesus is. On that oh holy night, that divine night when God sent his son, he sent you redemption so you wouldn't have to stay in your sin. So you would have the confidence to receive Christ. And have wealth and true, true wealth and purpose and worthiness in him. In, uh, in Luke chapter 8, let's look there really quick. Luke chapter 8. I love about Jesus because Jesus, Jesus saw worthiness in people. And, and I try to be that way. I, I'm not perfect. 
But when I interact with you, I hope that you know that you're worthy of my attention. You're worthy of my time. I value you. I, I love you. You know, Pastor Mark and I both, we, we want to, we are investing our whole lives into you. And the thing I love about Jesus is that Jesus, he touched the unworthyable, unworthyable. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a word. The unworthy. <laughs> Jesus wasn't afraid to touch the unworthy, the lepers, the sinners, because he saw value. He saw worth. You know, it's so easy to judge people in their pig pen. Come on. It's so easy to judge people in their stink pot. You know, I, 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 I hate pornography. I hate it with a passion. Because as a mama, I see a daughter. I see somebody's little girl that's being just disgraced. And so, you know, and, and Satan loves to take the things that are God's intended to be beautiful. Um, and he loves to twist it and warp it. But I love it about Jesus, that Jesus, and it, it, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God doesn't judge you according to your, uh, your filth. He will judge you what you do with Jesus. It's what you choose to do with Jesus. What you choose to do with this, oh, holy night when God sent forth his son. This day, this is the thing that you have to make that choice and that decision. What will I do with this man, Jesus? This provision that God, God's been, he threw out a lifesaver to you and you can say, eh, I'll just float in the water. Well, you're going to start sinking pretty soon. And, you know, we need to grab on, amen, grab on to the salvation that God has provided for you and I. But Jesus wasn't afraid to touch the people that everyone else would, would call unworthy. Um, he, he loved them. And he showed his love to them. He, 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 he shared his, his heart with them. But in, in, this, in this chapter, Luke chapter 8, um, let's look at verse, um, see, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. Uh, I'm thinking that's not it. But my husband's not here to help me. <laughs> help. If you're watching, help. No. <laughs> All right, hold on. Luke chapter 8, verse 36. I just don't think that's it. Uh, no, okay. All right, it's the story, and you all can help me. If, if I, I'm sure it's in front of my notes here, and I'm just not seeing it correctly. But do you remember the parable? Jesus told the parable. I'll just kind of flip through here and look for it. Uh, the parable of the filled, that Jesus says that there was a filled, and a man... Um, a man was in this field and he, uh, and he saw, he found a great treasure, right? And it says that the man went and sold all that he had so that he could go back and purchase the land. Now, he wasn't after the land. He was after the treasure. And I know we've heard a lot about what the treasure can be. And a lot of us heard that it's the, it's the kingdom of God. It's, 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 you know, it's who God is. But let me propose, let me just give you this thought process, what if the field is the world and the treasure is you and Jesus is the man that came into the field and found a great treasure? And so he went and sold everything that he had. What did, what did Jesus had? His life. 
He shed his, his very life. He died upon a cross. He gave everything that he could so that he could come back and redeem this property, come back and buy this property because not because he wanted the world, not because he wanted that field, but because he wanted the treasure. And that's who you are. Everyone say, I am a treasure. God treasures you. He, he, he came into this world not, to, not just, to, just because he wanted the world, but because he wants you. He's pursuing you. Matter of fact, you listening to this very message this morning is the very heart of God pursuing you. And some of you, if you've been running from God, if you've been eh, not really committing to him, God's voice is crying out to you this morning to come, come home. You, if you backslidden, come on, it's time to come home. He's given everything. And, and, and there's just, there's so much that I, I would even love to go into into if you could understand the worth and the value of Jesus and the worth and the value of his blood, you would know how valuable, valuable his love towards you is. Because if his blood is so valuable and we know it to be, and he shed that blood for you, that makes you equivalent to the price that he paid. That means that because he gave his life, he gave the, he, he paid this price for me. That makes me have that value. That's how much he paid for me. He paid for me with his blood and his blood is, it's priceless. Uh, look at, look at revelations. Let's look, let's look at that really quick. Revelations, um, revelations. It's in revelations. Hold on now. I'm going to take you there. We're just going the long route. Here we go. Revelation chapter five. If you can grab a hold of what I'm saying, and I'm saying this by the spirit of the Lord right now, if you could understand that the blood of Jesus is priceless, there's nothing more valuable than the life of Jesus Christ. And he took that blood and he shed it on Calvary for you. He paid the price to save you. You're equal to the price that he paid. That's how much you're worth to God. Are you getting that this morning? That's how much you're worth to him. And so, I, and I, I love this. Okay, Revelation chapter five. Uh, John the Revelator is caught up in heaven and um, uh, we'll start with verse, verse four. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy. No one was found worthy in heaven, the Bible says, to open the scrolls. That was, who's up in heaven? David, Moses, all the prophets, they're all up there. Not one of them was found worthy. And it says, but one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, he has won the victory. And he is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. But it is now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held golden bowls filled with incense. Can you just see this picture and which are the prayers of God's people see your prayers are also valuable 
They're held up in golden bowls. Isn't that awesome? And it says, and they sang a new song with these words. And here's what he said. They sang, you are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and to open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will rule and reign on the earth. And then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing here we see all the hosts of heaven is saying worthy is that lamb worthy is Jesus come on get it this morning worthy is Jesus who was slaughtered to do what? He's going to receive all the power, all the riches, all the wisdom, all the strength, all the honor, all the glory, all the blessing. And that's the very Jesus that gave up his life to redeem you because you had value. Hallelujah. You know, there's a, the word redeemed is a, is a very, it's a, it's a great word redeemed because it actually, um, you know, if you think about a house being sold, right, you know, you see the sign up there and it says sold. Well, redeemed is a much, is much like sold. It means that this house is no longer on the market. You can't make a bid. I'm going to try to talk my intellectual, uh, where's all my, uh, Real estate people, they're going to laugh at me. All right, so you can't make a bid. You, you know, you, it, it's, it's locked in an agreement. It's in contract. Money has been paid. An exchange has been made. Nothing can make any kind of attempt to take it. It's done. It's, it's a done deal. That's redemption. That's being redeemed. That means that when Jesus redeemed me, Satan no longer has a hold or an account on my life. I have been set free. I've been redeemed. He can't, he can't, he can't bring the curse back on me. Come on. He he can't try, he can't try to break that contract because it's been redeemed. It's been signed in the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. He no longer has claim on my life. So when we sing these songs, you know, and we sang Joy to the World this morning, too, and, and I love that one, too. You know, the words in that say, um, the, the, the third verse says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Come on, the curse is pretty far out there. And so the job for you and I is that we might proclaim the blessing of God that God has provided through his son as far as the curse is found. And as long as you and I are preaching and ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will see lives set free from that pit of destruction, pit of despair. And in this hour, we got to get our eyes upon upon all the people around us. Be tender, be sensitive. We just read that they're spiritually dark. Don't get mad at them. <laughs> and, and, and it's so easy to judge when you see people fall into sin. It's so easy to want to pick up that stone and throw it at them. But Jesus didn't. We need to have that heart of compassion. That is someone that simply needs to know the truth of what Jesus has done for them. Amen. I hope you know this morning that how much worth 
your soul has, how valuable your soul is. It is priceless with that very same price of the blood and the life of Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for for this time that we celebrate for unto us is born this day in the city of David, a savior, our redeemer, our Lord and our savior. And God, I I thank you because Jesus, you know, although we, we think about Jesus in the manger, I thank you Jesus did not stay in that manger, but he grew up and he became our redeemer by giving his life upon the cross and not, did he, he, he didn't even stop there, but the Bible says he was put into a grave and it, and it didn't stop there because he came out on the third day and it didn't stop there. It says that he was resurrected. He was taken up, ascended into heaven and where he is now sitting at the right hand of the father. That's my Jesus. That's the Jesus that I'm celebrating on this holiday. My redeemer. And Father, I just pray for everyone listening, either online or in this room. I know, I know how darkness feels, and it's, it's terrible. I know what it's like to be in darkness, to have fear, to have shame, to feel in bondage. God, I know, I, and in each one in this room, God, whatever it is that the enemy has them enchained to, whatever the enemy has them locked into this morning and telling them that they'll never be free, they'll never be free. God, I thank you that the blood of Jesus, you came to set the captives free and by your blood, they have to be set free and Satan has to release them. And so God, I pray that this morning that that revelation would just come into their life, that they would not be without hope. For even in your word, it says that there is hope in your name. We have hope in that name of Jesus. God, let hope, let faith, let joy, joy arise. You said that you, we, they, the angels said they bring good tidings of great joy to all the earth. God, this morning, this message is a message of great joy to all of us this morning. That we would no longer live in the clutches of Satan, but we can be set free. God, I pray that you just continue to minister to them. I pray, God, that you would draw them. God, for those in this room that have walked away, have backslidden, they've made bad choices, God, it doesn't mean you no longer love them. It doesn't mean that you're angry at them. You just want them to come home. Like any good, any good daddy would want. You want them to come home. And God, I pray that this morning, that God, that they would come out of the out of that darkness into your marvelous light this morning. For those who have never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ until this moment, God, I just thank you for them. And I, and I want to speak to you that you've not made Jesus as the Lord of your life. You know, Christmas is nothing. Christmas is not about packages. It's, you know, the whole story of the Grinch. It's a great story because... Uh, they learned that it wasn't, the Grinch learned that it wasn't about the packages and the bulbs and the trees, that there must be more. Well, he doesn't get to the Jesus part of it, but I'm going to give you the Jesus part of it. There's so much more than, uh, than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Noriato 
song joy to the world is we use it as a christmas song about the birth of christ but it's actually about his second coming if you look at the words it's about his second coming when he's going to come and then the the curse will be destroyed but hey man if you if you don't know jesus this morning could we all just stand to our feet and um i'm gonna have us all say this prayer wherever you're at if you want to get it right with god or you want to get in with god Remember, what is the value of your soul this morning? What's it worth? It's not worth the things of this world. It's not worth the riches. It's not worth the drugs. It's not worth the junk out there. But say this prayer with after me. Everybody close your eyes and say this prayer. Father, it is written in your word that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, And believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. You said I would be saved. And therefore, Father, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. And I make him the Lord of my life right now. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I renounce my past life with Satan and I close the doors to any of his devices. I thank you that you became a curse to set me free from the cursed land. Now I thank you, God, for forgiving me of all my sins, of all my failures, of all my blunders, all my mistakes. Jesus, you're my Lord. And now I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. And all things now become new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.